Good evening. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Bamidbar, and then we go Motsori Shabbos straight into Shavuos. And I'm going to speak, Bezus Hashem, a little bit of time about Bamidbar. Um, and then I'm going to go into Samenyone Shavuos. Now, the first thing I want to tell you is that the Pasuk said in Shemos, Vayelech ish mi beis levi, vayikach es bas levi. And we know that that is referring to Amram when it says ish, which man? And the Gemara asks, Vayelech Ish, that Amram went, where did he go? So the Gemara answers, he went with the opinion and the advice of his daughter. Because Miriam was only four years old, and she said to her father, Amram, that your Gezerah is worse than the Gezerah of, of Paro. Paro only wants to kill out the boys. And by you separating and divorcing my mother, your wife, you're not having any children. So it's boys and girls. And the Gemara says that the Pusik attests to the fact that he heard what his daughter said and he accepted her advice and he remarried his his wife. We know Matzer Gerushoso is also that if someone's married and there's a divorce, so the woman, if she married someone else, and then let's say the man dies or they get divorced, she can't go back to the first husband that's called Matzer Gerushoso. It's an Isudiraisa. And she went and she had Elit Safan and she had. Uh, she had two well-known sons from her second marriage. So how did Amram take her back? That's Machzir Gerushoso. So the answer they say was before Matan Torah. So therefore, he was allowed to do it. Now, the Balaturim says that there are only two places in the entire Torah that the words Vayelech Ish are employed. One that we just said, and the other is Vayelech Ish, mi Lechem Yehuda, by Rus, by Elimelech, that he went and he left, um, he left Eretz Yisrael, and he went out to the hills and the communities of the Moavim. Now the Gemara says there was a terrible famine and people didn't have what to eat, but that Elimelech was so rich that he could have fed the entire community for 10 years. He had so much money. But he chose to run away. And on the surface, some say he didn't want to be bothered, he didn't want to lose everything, he didn't. But the Mekubalim don't say that. They say that he was the Godel Hador, Elimelech. And as the Godel Hador, and it's the, the Balatur mentions these two places, Vayelechish and Vayelechish. But it's the Bach, and half of our Piske Halacha come from the Bach. And the Bach is the one who says the reason that he left and went out was because he wanted to secure the territory of Moab because the Halacha was that you cannot marry into Moab. That means Mitzrayim Egyptians, after three generations, you could marry in. But not Moab, not Ammon and Moab, because they refused to give the water and the bread. And the Jews wanted to pay for it. 
but they just wanted to be mean-spirited, and it showed a reflection of the essence of their character. So the Torah says we can never marry into Moab or to Ammon. A girl, a Jewish girl who wants to marry a Moab man is not allowed to. But they made the drusha, Moab is also, but not Moavi, not the woman. So after that drusha, there are a lot of Mary Ross. So says the Bach that Elimelech left because with his Ruach HaKodesh, he saw that through this connection to Moab, that they're going to end up darshaning that it was 100% mutter to marry Rus, Boaz to marry Rus, and from that will come out Melech HaMashiach. That's what he saw, and that's why he went out. Says the he went out to Moab, to the plains of Moab, for this thing to work its way through, that the psak would come out, that a woman, Moavi, could marry a Jewish man. And as a matter of fact, it says that the book of Rus was written by Shmuel Hanavi. And Shmuel Hanavi only wrote the entire Sefer of Rus to Kasher up David. Because we find that Doeg Hoadomi, who was the Abbezdin, he was fighting against David Amelech. And, and when there was a question of David becoming king, and there was this whole debate, Doeg showed up and said, What's the debate if he could become the king or not? He's not even Jewish. He's from Moab. The, the, the ancestry came out from Rus that he, they had no business marrying and, and other considerations. So Shmuel Anavi said that he wrote the book of Rus to kosher, to make kosher David Amelech that this whole time of Doe that he wasn't Jewish is nonsense, he is. And that when they went under the umbrella of allowing a woman who is from Moab to marry in, it was correct. And as a matter of fact, when Doe Goadome was tying this and said this before the best, that he's not even Jewish, that they ran back to Shmuel. Shmuel Anavi lived only 52 years, but it was the last year or two of his life. And they wanted to confirm that he wrote Rus for that reason, and he said, yes, that was the reason that I wrote it. That David Amelech's lineage should never disqualify him from anything that he has. So coming back, if that's the case, that Elimelech went out to the Yari Mayav to begin the process of making sure that the women are okay, then he was protecting the concept of the Goyal Acharo. That means Mashiach is going to be the one who redeems us and brings us back there to Israel and everything else. But the first Goyal, who was Moshe Rabbeinu, and took out the Jews from Egypt, he's called the Goyal Risha. So that was the comparison the Bach says that the Balatur made. He wasn't just trying to say, well, we have two words similar. There's Vayelech Ish by Amra, and there's Vayelech Ish by Elimelech. It was much more. It was to tell you that the Goyal Risha who came out of Amram, that that was the whole kavana of why he remarried, was to protect the concept that the Goyal Risha would be, would come from him, and that he'd be alive, and he would be born 
to be able to do it, so too was Elimelech moving ahead. He says this in the Mesh of Nefesh, which the Bach wrote uh, 300 years ago, and uh, with Ruach HaKodesh, of course, for all of our Piskei Alocha, so many, 70% of it come from him. So he says that the Goyal Rishon and the Goyal Achro. And that's why it is said. So that's really a word from for Shavuos. And once I'm speaking about Shavuos, I, I will tell you that that one of the reasons that it's called Atzeres, you know, there are many names for Shavuos. Shavuos, Atzeres, um, and, and many others. So Atzeres really means to hold back. That we do no malacha. Because if you look at Shavuos, there is no specific mitzvah that we have for Shavuos. That means Pesach, we have Matzen, Sukkot, we have Alulu, Benanesrik. But we have no, these are all menhagim to eat, linces and milchiks. And this is all very beautiful. But it, it is not in the getter of a mitzvah, say, Raisa, to do all of that. And only... Shavuos and Shemini Atzeres are two days that both of them don't have any specific mitzvah to it. That means we have to be Mesameach with the Torah because in there itself Shemini Atzeres and Simchus Torah are the same day that we have to be happy with the Torah and the Zman Matan Torah Seinu, also we celebrate that fact that we got the Torah on it. So all of the things that took place from Pesach, let's say, in Tol Shavuos, Atzeris, we gather it together. We bring it all together that there are so many in Yonim that Klal Yisrael stands out with the rare and remarkable distinction that it does, as the Ramban says, it is the foundation of our entire nation, nationhood, as a Klal Yisrael and as a people that we got out of Mitzrayim. But when we express it, and celebrate it, not just celebrate something that once happened, but it's re-happening every year, Pesach, the ability to go out from that which we are in bondage, our Yetzirahs and everything else, and then each and every day of Sphere is a combination of different characteristics that we know that a person who is careful to count properly and never miss a day that he incorporates into his neshama the ingredients of that day, let's say, Netzach um, Shebahod, that those two diametrically opposed things come together under one umbrella and it saturates the neshama of the person. So each and every day is a different type of delicacy for the neshama. We take all of that with Pesach and Atzeres, we bring it together and put it under the umbrella of calling the days Atzeres. Now, the Hassan Sofer says that there is a question he poses, why is there no Cholomoe for Shavuos? I mean, after all, it's one of the Shalosh Regolim, and Pesach and Sukkot both have in the middle a, a Cholomoe. So he answers and says, and the Bnei Sosker talks by Rechus about this, that Shavuos is so high that you cannot mix in any Chol, Cholomoe. It's above and beyond. 
And we don't even need a second day of Shavuos because the reason we have a second day by all the Yom and Toivim is because it's a Sveika de Yoima that when they used to establish Rosh Chodesh, there was a question if it would be today or tomorrow. And sometimes the word didn't get out through the way they would spread word. So therefore there was a question, is it going to be today or tomorrow? And in effect, if today is Rosh, Rosh Chodesh, let's say Tishrei, it's Rosh Hashanah, then you count 10 days later as Yom Kippur. But if tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh, then Yom Kippur is 10. And there was a, indeed a very famous machloikis between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua, who differed as to when Yom Kippur came out. Was it today or tomorrow? One held one way, one held another way. And because Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi, he forced Rabbi Yoshua to respect and honor the day that he felt, Rabbi Gamliel felt as the Nasi, that that indeed was the day. And on the other day that Rabbi Yeshua thought was Yom Kippur, he made him carry money in his pack and everything, on that day, to show that he is in the driver's seat, that he's the Nasi, and he makes that decision. And Rabbi Yeshua complied. Complied, even though he held it was Yom Kippur. But if he was destined uh, and and directed by Rabbi Gamliel to do something, he felt he had the obligation to do it out of respect of the office that he held. So the Hassan Sofer says that really we don't need a second day because we have in Pesach and Sukkot, it's all a sveke diyoyim, it's a question of when and what. But by Pesach, by uh, uh, Shavuos, it has nothing to do with Rosh Chodesh. We count 50 days from when we count the year, and the 50th day is Shavuos. So it makes no difference to us when the Rosh Chodesh is of Sivan, that it has its designation accordingly by virtue of Pesach and counting of the 50 days. So some say because Pesach and Sukkot are the other two were going and they have Sveket Diyoimah, so we added the second day to Shavuos not to be different and that all three should be under the same limelight and umbrella in terms of effectuating the Yom Tiv. But says the Chassam Sofer that there's a very, all the Shilas, it means, for instance, Rosh Hashanah is called a Yom Arichta. There's two days. But very distinct two days. One is under the umbrella of Leah, and the next one is under Rochel. And the Arizal says that the first day of Rosh Hashanah we daven for all of our Ruchnias, and the second day we daven for all the Gashmias that we need under Rochel. Um, but it's two separate in Yonim, but under one umbrella. It's called, the Gemara calls it a Yom Arichta. It's one long day. And the Chassam Sofer says, indeed, even though in another tshuva he doesn't sound so clear like this, but in one place he definitely writes and makes it sound like it's a Yom Arichta. The two days of Shuas, and there is no Cholomoy because it's so high in its source that it can't involve a chol. And as big as Pesach and Sukkot are, but we all agree that cholamoid on those days are not as high as the actual yomtev, like one notch lower. And you can't have a notch lower when it comes to Shavuos. Now, tonight, when I am taping this shear, Today was Rosh Chodesh Sivan. Tonight is Bez, the second day. And it's not Rosh Chodesh. It was only one day Rosh Chodesh. But the Mephoshim, Medroshim, and the Gemara talk about the second day of, of, of Nisa, of Sivan, I'm sorry. 
second day of Siva, and it's called the Yom HaMeyuchos, the special distinguished day. So some explain why is it given that name, because the first day of the month is a Rosh Kodesh, the second day is Yom HaMeyuchos, the next three days is the Shloshes Yemei HaKbola, which begins indeed Thursday. People can go take haircuts and do things like that. The Shloshes Yemei HaKbola. And then we have Shavuos, the sixth and seventh day. Then we have seven days of Yemei Miluim, which if someone didn't bring the Shalmi Chagig or the Shalmi Simcha on Yom Tif, he was late or he didn't, he just didn't do it. He has always seven days to fill in whatever carbon he had to bring in celebration of the Yom Tif, that he could bring it in one of those seven days, ending with the last day, Yud Bey Siva. So really what the Mepharshim say is tantamount. If somebody walked in and saw Rav Moshe Feinstein sitting at the head of a table and, and two seats down from him was Rav Aaron Kotler. And then in between the two of them was some Rav, no one knew who it was. But they figured that if the person sitting in between Rav Moshe and Rav Aaron, who knows who this must be? And that's the same thing with the Yom HaMeyuchas. It's the day after Rosh Chodesh, and it's sandwiched in between the Shlesh Yisimeyak Bola. So it's, and that's why it's called Yom HaMeyuchas, the distinguished day because there's nothing special about it, but the mere fact that sandwiched in a month among some heavenly days, it must be a, a meyuchas, it must be something super special. Now, talking for a moment about the Shloishis Yemei HaGbala, we know that HaKadosh Baruch if you look in the Parsha, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to tell the people to prepare themselves for Kabbalah Satorah, Hayom Umachor, two days. And Moshe Rabbeinu went back to the people and he said three days. And the Gemara says he changed from what Hashem told him to tell them but Hashem was happy with what he did. And he wanted it to be three days of preparation for the auspicious event happening at Har Sinai, Kabbalah Satoru. Now comes the Arizal and says that indeed that's what the Pasuk means and that's what happened. There were three days of preparation. But it also, Al-Pikabolam, means something else. Moshe Rabbeinu saw that on Rosh Hashanah, everything is written, the Ksiva, and that on Yom Kippur is the Chasima. And he wasn't happy in the Bnei Sasko. Look at the Bnei Sasko, you'll see two pages about what I'm saying to you now, that Moshe Rabbeinu saw that there's going to be Ksiva, Rosh Hashanah, and Chasimah Yom Kippur. He didn't like that the Chasimah should end with Yom Kippur because he felt that fasting and crying of Yom Kippur is not as high as Simcha. Simcha supersedes even the fasting, the crying, everything of Yom Kippur. So he wanted that the Chasima should be the Ksiva Rosh Hashanah and the Chasima Yom Kippur, but that the envelopes with the Chasima that were now sealed should not be mailed out. Now, if you have a letter, no matter what's inside that letter, but if you didn't mail it, 
and it's still sitting on your desk, you could think twice about it, you could tear it up, you could, you could do all of these things. So he wanted that the final final should be out of simcha, not out of fasting. So he davened that it should be prolonged to Hoshana Rabbah. And on Hoshana Rabbah, then you can pick up all the envelopes, the biscuit, and send them off. But it could be that many of them will be changed because this yid will do tshuva out of simcha, which is higher, and that whatever was decreed for him for the year will end up much, much better after all of the dancing and simcha of the days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, and Sukkot itself. And that is the reason why we, the Chazan wears the kittel and sings the same tune of Yom Kippur on Hoshana Rabbah. Because we know when we take the five Hadassim, the Arovos, and we bang them five times, as the Arizal says on the floor, and you're so said, this is me differing the Vim from way, way, way back, they were doing this, that that's the most important thing of Hoshana Rabbah. So much so that our entire calendar is set up so that Hoshana Rabbah should never fall out on Shabbos. Because if it fell out on Shabbos, we would not be able to touch the five Aravos that we hit five times. And the Arizal says, Dafka five times, that you have to be very careful not to hit more or less than five. And he says from the Pasuk, Behinoyam Hashem Elokeinu Aleinu Masa Yodeinu Kona Aleinu Masa Yodeinu Kona Neo. There's five of those words that I just said end up with a Nun Vav. And Nun Vav times five is Peirish, and that's the Peirish Dinim, the severe Gevura and Dinim that we are Mavatl. We nullify and we make null and void through hitting on the floor, and that is the end, and all the pisk and all the envelopes are then sent off. So when Moshe Rabbeinu said, that he added on to the instruction of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he wanted it to be an extra day. That's talking about Kabbalah Satorah. That's talking about the Shlot. Instead of having two days, Yimei HaKbola, we wanted three. And that's what happened. But says the Arizal, the deeper thing, I'll pick Kabbola, and it worked out. Shemayim Hashem was masking them that it shouldn't end with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Ksiva and Chasima. It should come out from the umbrella, under the umbrella of Simcha, and that that be the heightened moment for Klal Yisrael, because out of Simcha you can achieve the greatest goals and the greatest achievements if it's true Simcha. That means someone who's miserable and, and in a bad mood, and they're just going through the motions because they're with people in Shul, and they're dancing, at the Simchas Beis HaShoeva, that doesn't mean much. You have to really transform, as the Vilna Gon said, that the hardest mitzvah in his lifetime to be Mekayim was Simcha and Sukkot. Because he says, it says three times, Usmachtem lefnei Hashem alokeichem shivas yamim, v'samachta v'chagecha, en v'hoyisa ach tzameach. Three times the Lashon of Simcha. So the Vilna Gon said, it's not like you take a lulav and an esrog and in one minute you're mekayim, the mitzvah, and that's it. It's a requirement of seven days, 24 hours a day of simcha. He said, and that's why he found that mitzvah of simcha on Sukkot, the hardest mitzvah to be mekayim of everything because it required not just, oh, okay, I was with Samea for five minutes, 
and now I can go back to my sulking and my uh, everything else. You have to maintain that type of equilibrium of simcha throughout. Now, we know that it says that when the Yidden got the Torah, that they fell asleep. And one of the reasons that we stay up all night is to be misakin that, that the Yidden fell asleep, they had to be woken up. Um is why we stay up all night to be that the Torah was given like right before dawn and it's like I always say to you it's not a yomtiv that we're celebrating once that we got the Torah we are re-receiving the Torah every single year and the Enochi Hashem that's called out on Har Sinai that was called out is being repeated the Baal Shem Tev used to say that he heard every year the kolos of rokim, the thunder and the lightning and the everything and the voice calling out from heaven, HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying Anochi Hashem Elokecha Asher Eretz Mitzrayim He heard it Now to hear it you have to have there's three levels, there's Nevuah, there's Baskol and there's Ruach HaKodesh now there are tzaddikim, and I wouldn't say many, many, but if you said to me, there's at least 500 tzaddikim in the world that have ruach, that could very today, in this day, and have it. But much fewer have ruach kodesh and basko. Basko is higher. For instance, the Mishnah Pirkei Avos says, "Bechol yom v'yom basko yotzeis mehar that there is a heavenly voice from Har Chorib that comes out and calls to the world. Now, if I asked any of you who are listening to this session, have any of you or I heard that it says, if it says in the Mishnah, the whole Yom V'Yom, every day, that means every day the voice is coming up. Did anyone hear that tremendous voice? No, because we don't have... Ruach HaKodesh and Basko. But the Baal Shem Tev did, and he heard every year we are reliving. And the fact that the Torah is given each and every year that a Yid knows that if he accepted on his shoulders to learn every month the Daf Yoimi or to learn a certain, and he didn't do it. He fell short, he was tired, work became too hard for him. He's not too late. He has now a new Kabbalah Torah. It's a fresh start with being imbued and instilled into him, etched into the essence of his neshama, the power of connecting with the Torah and learning the Torah. And, and I said to you last week, in Bechukosai, why is Torah called? Because Rashi says today, why should it be called a chok? So the answer I shared with you is because every mitzvah imbues and uplifts the person. But the Torah transforms, which is even higher. And that we don't understand how the process works. So it's called a chok. But normally learning Torah is just a mitzvah like everybody else. Biggest mitzvah, but we learn it we have the mitzvah. But that's why it's called a chok. Now, the Yidden, when they knew they were going to receive the Torah, they wanted to be Makabal the Torah. This Lubavitcher Rebbe said. Um, and they wanted to be Makabal the Torah at the highest level possible for a person in Olam Hazed to be. And the highest level really is sleeping. Because a person is not awake using his eyesight and his speech and his... 
he's not dead, he's here in this world, a person can wake him up, but he's more attached to Olam Haba than he is to Olam Hazeh. He's in a state like the Mizritcher Magid, used to go to the mikvah Friday afternoon, and when he went to sleep and woke up after the mikvah Friday afternoon, he said the most esoteric secrets of the Torah, of everything he said the whole week. Because after the mikvah and then going into slumber, into sleeping, it brought out in him the deepest of the deep. And that's how he was able to share it. So the Yidden, when they went to sleep, it wasn't like, uh, like who, you know, if, if we're going in, let's say we have a, a meeting with uh, the President of the United States, an hour before we're not sleeping. We're making sure that we're in perfect form. And we're, no one's sleeping that they'll maybe oversleep the appointment. So over here, the yin went to sleep, not because it was a lack of interest, because they wanted to be Makabal the Torah from a sleeping state straight into Har Sinai and hearing the Anochi Hashem So that's why they slept before, right before Matan Torah. Now we know that when the Torah was given, the Gemara says in Shabbos, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to them, Kofa Aleim Har that means the mountain was picked up over the whole cloud Israel, and they were told, if you're going to accept the Torah and do it, wonderful. But if not, I'm letting go of the mountain, and that will be your place of burial. Shom Tehei Kevurascha. You're going to be buried right there. So that's not really accepting the Torah out of love. That's like out of fear. They didn't want to die. So they said, okay, we're doing it. We're ready. And it says that when it came Purim 900 years later, Kimu v'kiblu mashe kiblu kvar, that they accepted the Torah out of love. Now, if you think about it for just a moment, after the Torah was given, they had a takufa of Zakanim and 15 shoiftim, Asniel ben Kenaz, Ehud ben Geira, Shamgar ben Anas, all the way down, the 15th was Shmuel, who was a Navi, and a shoifet. Then they went into Shola Melech, David HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech, Bayes Rishon, and they never accepted in all of those years the Torah out of love. Purim happened after the first base of Mignish was destroyed and they were in Golas Bovel for 70 years. Then they came back to Israel and had the second base of Mignish. But three years before they finished Golas Bovel, they had the story of Purim, and on Purim, they accepted the Torah mitoch ahava. Now, looking at the generations that those 900 years, David HaMelech, Shlomo, Bias Rishon, the biggest of, there was nothing holier in the world ever than that. And they still did not pull themselves up to the level of accepting the Torah mitoch ahava until Purim. Because as great and as high as they crept up, they didn't get, and that's why Purim is so high, the Medrash says that when Yaslov and Mashiach comes, the Gula Shlema, that everything's going to change, even Yom Kippur. Not that there won't be a Yom Kippur, because it says in the Torah, and the Torah is Nitzchis, it's forever. But when it says, that you're going to afflict, and that means you have to fast, it'll be something else that'll be introduced to us of what that means. But Purim will be untouched. 
Because Purim, you know, there's four worlds. There's Asiya, there's Yetzira. Asiya is from the beginning of Davning up until Baruch Shemar. From Baruch Shemar through Yishtabach is the world of Yetzira. And there's a big difference of opinion between the Mekubalim. Is Hodu part of Asiya or part of Yetzira? Everyone admits that Baruch She'omar is the borderline. Once you say Baruch She'omar, you're into the next world, until Yetzira. So those who hold that Hodu is part of Yetzira, they say Hodu after Baruch She'omar. Like the Ashkenaz, and those who daven Ashkenaz, that's what they do. Those who daven Svar, they say Hodu before Baruch Shemar because they hold those Mekubalim. Rizal and many other held that Hodu is part of Asiya, the first world. But you have the first world, Asiya, then you have Yitzira, which ends with Yishtabach. And the reason we have a Kaddish and a Baruch who put in right there is because the next world is Bria, and to get from Yitzira to Bria is a big jump. So you need a Yehoshimei Rabbah and a Baruch to push the people over the top into Bria, and then you have Atzilus, which is the Shemona Esrei. But there's one thing that's even higher that's called the world of Kesser. And the world of Kesser is the day of Purim, all 24 and a half hours of Purim is in the realm of Kesser. And that's how the Yin were able, they were put into such heights that never happened before. There were moments, like the Kohen Gorla and the Fnagel that corresponded to it, but for Klal Yisrael, and everything that they were into, we told Golos. You see, Golos has one Mila, that that is the springboard of Geula. And that corresponds to not understand, for instance, we see it, the story of uh, uh, Tamar and, and Yehuda. That, from that came out Mashiach. From the child born was Mashiach. And from the two daughters of Lot, such as a, one of them Mashiach came out from. And this is the least place that we think it would ever come from. That's called Hesachadas, that's the Oilam of Keser. And once they got into the realm of Keser, they were able to accept the Torah mitok ahava. So Shavuos is Keneged Yom Kippur, which is one day, also 50, because it's Keneged Yoivol. Shabbos is Keneged Shemitah, but Yoivol is higher, as the Shalah HaKadosh writes. And that's Yom Kippur, Yoivol, and when we come into Shavuos, it's the Shara Hamishim, it's the 50th day. That's why even though the Torah says, Tisperu Hamishim Yom, you should count 50, we don't count the 50th day, we count 49, and that's it. We don't count the 50th. Why not? The Pesach says, Tisperu Hamishim Yom. Okay. Because when you get into the realm of Keser, the realm of the 50th, Yoigol, there's no counting, it's above the, the deeper of Misa. Deeper, Misa, Olam You're in a world that that stuff doesn't even exist. So anyway, when we go into Shavuos, we're in such a heavenly abode, and it's through the learning of Torah that we become part and parcel of Shavuos and Matan Torah, and that the Torah becomes part and parcel of our neshamas, and we get closer, and we are toivo. It's like a mikvah in the sea of Torah on Shavuos, and it enables us to be able to go from Shavuos into the Yemeachol, carrying with us the valises and the baggage that enable us to attack the questions and the answers and everything of the Torah, 
that we're able to have as a people and that we're able to uh, thrive and grow with um, as we come out of Shavuos. And it's like the culmination, like I said, the Atzeres that brings uh, out all of the koiches of Pesach and Svir Sa'omer into Shavuos, and we're able to enjoy and to have the benefit of, reap the benefits of all of that beautiful Ruchlias that we were thrown into the sea of that Ruchlias to enjoy and to grow. Now, the Bamidbar is called Bamidbar. In other words, in English, we don't call it the desert, Bamidbar. We call it numbers. Because it's the only safer of the Chamisha Chum Torah that we count Klai Yisrael twice in the safer. Once in Bamidbar and once in Parshas Pinchas. Kodesh uh, Baruch Hu loves us and he wanted to recount and recount, so he did that. The lotion of the counting is Se'uas Rosh Koladas B'nei Yisrael. Mephoshim are quick to point out that why didn't the Pesach just use a more common word for counting, like limnos or lifkod, that bo- both of them mean to count. Se'u is not used so often to express the meaning of counting. So why do we use su? So Mephorshim say that Ramban t- touches on it that the word su has a double connotation. We find that when Yosef was in the jail with the butler and the baker, the Sar Oifim and the Sar Amashkim, that when they told him the dream, they told him each their dream, Yosef used the same motion to the Sar Amashkim. He said, Yisa Paro, and you're going to go back and be the butler further. By the baker, he said, He's going to hang you. So the Mephorshim are curious, why do you use the word Yisa? He used both for the guy going back and being victorious, getting staying alive and going back to his position, and the baker who was killed. He used both times the word Yisa. And the answer is, a message in our center that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that they should count each and every yid and the lush of se'u is used, is employed because it wanted to tell you a message that when you count a yid you have to realize that this yid could soar heavenward in his achievement, in his growth, in his ruchnias, it could be unbelievable. But his downfall, if he slips and falls into the sea of disaster, could also be, could also happen to an individual. We see many people. Our tzaddikim, our oibdi Hashem, melamdim, rebeyim, running around bringing food doing and that that's they're taking their lives and they permeate every second and every day of it with valuable activity but at the same time we unfortunately see people who are busy with their cell phones and watching the televisions and going to the movies and watching the videos, hours of the day as their life fleets by and that those vehicles are just dragging them down 
So Yosef used the same lotion because, in fact, it was an expression to show great success, and he went back to become butler, but also great tragedy that the individual could fall into. And that's why in our sedra, it begins with the expression of se'u, that same expression, that you can soar heavenward and not just soar, but thrive to the greatest heights and achievements. But at the same token, you can fall. And you have to be aware of that. And you have to see it. And you have to be ready to encounter opportunities that otherwise can just fly by. You know, the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was going with a group of Talmidim, and they passed by an area that they saw a girl, a young woman, going through the garbage to find kernels that she could eat something. And when she saw Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, she said, Rabbi, feed me, give me something to eat. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says, asked her, who, who is your family that you're out here gathering to eat something in the garbage? She said, well, my father was Nagdiman ben Gurion, who was one of the wealthiest. And she then said to him, that do you remember, Rebbe, that you signed my ksuba? And the ksuba had in it that just from one side they each gave the father of the chasen, the father of God, one side gave a million golden dinrezah, golden coins. Like another ten million dollars, yeah, just one side. So Rabbi Yochanan and Zaki said, Yes, I do remember it. But what happened? that you're out here doing this. So the Gemara says that she answered that my father and my father-in-law, Kalba were so rich and they both lost all their money. Why, says the Gemara? Because they gave Tzedakah, but nowhere near what they should have given and therefore they missed the opportunity and they lost the source of having such money. It's a Gemara. So we see from that, because a person that has a million, if he gives 200,000, that's beautiful. But if a person has 200 million and he gives 200,000, you can't say, well, I just gave 200,000. I mean, what did you give? A thousand? Look what I gave. But let's be honest. He has 200 million. He should have given 30 million, 40 million. He should have given out over the year or whatever. A lot more. And they didn't, and they lost to the point that his daughter had to go into the garbage, which tells us that we are throwing our way challenges every day of our lives with golden opportunities. But we have to seize the moment and not to lose the golden chance to be coined so much and to be able to do for others so much in their lifetime. A frailichen and a listikin yomtiv.